you would like to stand together for the reading of the word, we'll read these two verses, Genesis 12, verses 1 and 2. By the way, it's also good to have Brother and Sister Hopkins with us, Brother Stanley and Sister Marissa Hopkins and their two kids, and they have a very, very newborn just in this month. Praise God. And so they're going to be with us. He's going to preach tonight, and they're going to be with us for some time. They're all set up in the apartment up there. You can sleep really good up there, Brother Hopkins. There's no windows. You can't tell if it's 2 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So praise God. So we're happy to have them with us as well. Praise God. If you have your Bibles and you're at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, say amen. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I'll withhold my title until somewhere in the message, but we are launching from this passage of Scripture. Let's pray and ask that God would help us today. Lord, we thank you and praise you. Help us open our minds and our hearts to your word. Be directed today. We give to you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We are here today, the main point that we are here today is to give our children to God. You're going to find in the comments that are made today that this is not only to parents and children, but you can find something, I guarantee you, in this message that you can apply to your life. Amen. But primarily, we are gathered together because we are dedicating some children to God. Some of you are thinking, I'd like to give them back, but I didn't think God would take them back because he has a no return policy. And besides, I've lost the receipt. The truth is, there's not a parent here who hasn't had a few moments where they would have liked to package up the child and take him or her back to God's customer service counter and demand, I want my money back. I'll never forget when my kids were small, my wife would wrestle with them, try to keep them uh, occupied at the pew and not to be a distraction and sit through at that time, at that time, a two and a half to three hour service. And after service, when it was all said and done and I had a great time, I was sitting up on the platform enjoying preaching and everything. She would come to me and hold the child out with a nice smile on her face, and yet with steel in her eyes, would say, here, it is your turn for a while. I knew to say, yes, ma'am, I, I, can, I can do that. I can handle that. Amen. Your children are important gifts from God. One parent said, when we first married, we had three theories on raising kids. Now we have three kids and no theories. <laughs> Right? One child came into his mother and he said, Mom, what would you like for your birthday this year? She said, I would like three well-behaved children. The child said, well, then that would mean there's six of us. So today in the house of God, the important points that we need to say in the very introduction is that children are a precious gift from the Lord, and ultimately they belong to God first, not to you. 
Secondly, we have to release that ownership of our children to him. God designed them. He has a plan for them, and he has a purpose for their future. And then thirdly, we need to realize that God has left it up to us to show them his way. I'm thankful to be in the house of God today, and my children are older. They're not even in the building right now because they're somewhere else. But there has been some time and effort that has gone into those 16 and 21 years that we make it a priority to be in the house of God. And when we get to the house of God, we're going to worship God with everything that we've got. We're not going to sit back. We're not going to become apathetic, but we're going to the house of God. And when we get in the house of God, we're going to give him everything that we've got. Amen. God asks us to put many things on the altar. Many things on the altar because living for God is about a sacrifice and there's some things that we have to give up in totality to live for him. And yet today he's asking every single one of us who are parents to bring our children and to put them on the altar and say to God, this child, you've given me the responsibility, but ultimately this child is yours. There are some classical examples that we could use today of parents that brought their children to God and gave them back to him. We could talk about Hannah. A classic example of giving Samuel. She prayed for him. God gave her a son, and she presented him to God, and she handed that young man by the name of Samuel over to Eli, the priest, even when in that particular time in Shiloh, Eli, the priest, was not the best of priests, and his sons had so corrupted worship, but she dedicated her son to the work of God. She said, for this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me a petition which I ask of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. That's a great example. Second example that we could use, of course, is Joseph and Mary that presented the infant child Jesus to the temple following his circumcision at eight days. They brought him to Jerusalem and they presented him to the Lord. We could use examples like that. But today in the house of God, the example that I'm wanting to use and I have selected is the example of Abraham offering Isaac to God on Mount Moriah. We've read in our text in the beginning how that God gave to him a promise. <clears throat> he promised him some things. He was the son, Abraham was, of Terah. And he lived in a place called Haran. And in Genesis 12, at age 75, God calls him out of where he is living with a promise. He did not know where he was going. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should go after, receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise. He looked for a city whose foundations and whose builder and maker is God. He didn't know where he was going, but he was following a promise. What kind of a response do you think that he received from his family and his friends? They probably thought he had lost his mind. Much occurred before there was ever a promise 
of any children in any blessing. He went to Egypt, had difficulties with Pharaoh, separated from Lot because their tribes had gotten too large. Lot was captured by five kings, and he had to rescue Lot. He had the difficulties with Hagar and Ishmael because that promised child did not seem to come, and they were impatient. He was 99 when he receives the promise again from God, 24 years after he leaves Haran. 24 years after he leaves, he rescues Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah. Abimelech, the king of Gerar, takes Sarah again. He finds himself in situations there again. Finally, a son is born by the name of Isaac. But did you notice some of the mishaps, every single thing that I mentioned here? Abraham struggled with, and yet he was a man of faith. He was still trying to be faithful to the promise even when he had difficulties fully grasping the promise. I want to say here today in the house of God, if you've had some difficulties, failures, struggles, but you're here, it means that you're a person that still has some faith. And if you got a little bit of faith, it's enough faith to carry you through to the promise that God has given to you. Well, I feel like preaching just for a few moments. Anybody here ever had a struggle? Anybody here ever had a failure? Anybody here ever have some obstacles? Praise God, will all of us have. But thank God we're still in the house of God today because there is some faith that says, I may not fully comprehend and understand, but I'm still going to trust you. Hallelujah. Clap your hands and thank the Lord together. I'm still here with a measure of faith. Amen. And so God provides to him Isaac. After all of that, after all of that, and then God puts forth a test. God was testing or trying to prove Abraham. And he, his request is to take what Abraham had been waiting for for 25 years. And that was a promised child. 25 years. I want you to go into the land of Moriah and upon one of the mountains. I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. Surely not this God that has led Abraham <laughs> through all of this. And all the things that Abraham was able to, over, able to overcome, despite his failures, now you are requesting from him the very thing that you promised him, and that was a promised child, that would be eventually like the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. And yet you are asking Abraham to go into the land of Moriah and upon one of the mountains offer Isaac as a sacrifice. That seems amazing. But let's just, let's just for a moment dig a little deeper. For we know that in history, in the ancient Near East, the God that provides fertility, El, is also entitled to demand a portion of what has been produced. This is expressed in the sacrifice of grain, animals, and children. And this practice could be found in in the ancient texts of Phoenicia and Punic colonies like Carthage in North Africa. Later, the practice continued with Baal worship because in Deuteronomy and in Leviticus, it was forbidden to offer your children as a sacrifice. 
Leviticus chapter 18, verse 21, Thou shalt not let any of thy seed or any of thy descendants or any of thy children pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. You are not to sacrifice your children to Molech, which was a false god, and they would. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 10, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. And so this seems to be a strange request that the God of Abraham would be asking him to do the same thing as the gods of the nations around him. It seems a strange thing. And yet Abraham acts as if this is no strange thing. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 2 and see how Abraham responds to this request by God to take your only son to Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice to me. He said, this is God speaking to Abraham, take your son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon the mountains which I shall tell thee of. Watch this. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went. Everyone say, rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. At some point, Isaac even wonders as they're making their way to sacrifice. We've got the wood. We have all the instruments of making a sacrifice, but where is the actual sacrifice? He's wondering what is going on here. The point seems to be that God is testing or desiring to prove this point. Abraham, the nations around you are giving their children to their fertility God, since that God demands a portion of what is produced. Seems to be that God is saying this, would you do the same thing for me if I put that same test to you? If the gods are worshiping and people are worshiping to the gods in such a, a significant way, would, would you worship me in the same way? It seems to appear to me that Abraham simply says, let's go. He saddles things up and he heads for the mountain. There is no hesitation according to the context of the scripture that he even questions God about what God is asking. It's just a simple let's go. And this is what the test is. Look what they are doing for their gods. Ladies and gentlemen, the children... This is not just for Abraham, but it's for us. If the gods of this world can worship the way that they worship to their idolatry, how much more should it be that we offer our children to worship to God with the same intensity and the same fervor? You say, I don't understand why you get all excited. 
I, I would be in the worst shape not to get as excited as the world gets excited for their gods. And there's a lot of idolatry in the world. Well, I just don't think we should worship that way. Listen to me. You could go to a ball game and celebrate. You can jump up and down and yell and shout and act like a fool. And then you come to the house of God and there's no sound that comes out of your voice. There is nothing that is in you that has any kind of intensity and passion. That's not the kind of God we serve. He died for me, saved me, redeemed me from a devil's hell. I'm not going to sit back, but I'm going to open my mouth and lift my hands and give him the absolute best that I can. Come on, Abraham, would you worship me in the same way? Would you serve me in the same way? Do you have the same passion and the same frenzy? Will you do it for me? Praise God, will you do it for me? They elevate a sports star to God-like status. But would you let God be God? <laughs> They'll elevate Hollywood stars and starlets to God-like status, but would you let God be God? Mm, somebody said amen. They'll elevate a rock star to be a rock star, but who's your rock star and who are you serving with everything that you've got? Would it be God? Praise God. They'll represent their gods in various and different ways, but will you separate yourself and serve the one true living God? They'll abandon family and everything else. Will you cherish family and will you value family and serve me, the one true living God? They'll neglect their children. Will you raise up your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord? Will you serve the one true living God? Abraham simply says, let's go. Let's go to the mountain and let's sacrifice. Let's give to God what is rightfully his in the first place. Let's go. Let's go. Let's worship. Let's sacrifice. Let's go. Let's do what God wants us to do. And that is the title of my message today is Let's Go. Let's go. Let's go sacrifice to God. Amen. So they get to the top of the mountain. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 22 that Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. <laughs> I heard a great message one time. I think it's the Phoenix. Abraham has his hand outstretched. He's got the knife in his hand. He's going to fulfill the promise or the vow to sacrifice his son. I think the, the title of the message was, can you serve God with a knife in your hand? That's pretty good, huh? This doesn't seem right, but I'm going to trust God. Have you ever been in situations that seem like terrible situations, and you've got a knife in your hand, and God is asking you to do something, and it seems completely out of place? Can you worship God in that moment? 
well, 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 well. Anybody here, everything is perfect and everything is good and everything's on the top? Or are there some people here today that are going through struggles and difficulties and things in your life that are not the best, and yet you're still in the house of God because you know ultimately that God's got it all under control. He's a sovereign God, and he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. There he is. And the Lord said, lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing thou hast not withheld my son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh which means the Lord our provider. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. What God revealed in that moment at that test is, Abraham, I just want you to know, (laughs) I ask you to do something, but I want you to know, I'm not the same as the gods of the other nations. I'm not like them. I didn't send your children into the fire. There's a better way. You use the sacrifice of an animal instead of your children. I'm different because those gods take, but I'm a God that gives. I'm Jehovah Jireh, the God that brings provisions. Oh, I'll tell you this right now. I'll tell you this right now. You listen to me. The gods of this world are going to take some things from you. They are going to take some things from you. If that were the, if that were not the case, there would be people that were very peaceful and joyful. But there's always a transaction that the gods of this world will want to transact and take from you. I want to tell you something. The enemy of the world has taken minds from people, peace from people, relationships from people, made a world of dysfunction out of all kinds of situations. I want to say today, as a preacher standing in a pulpit, that God has never, ever taken from me, but he's always added to me. His blessings have been upon me, bountiful blessings of peace and joy and strength. He filled me with the Holy Ghost and gave to me a hope that maketh not ashamed. And the things that he took for me needed to be taken. But ultimately, he was Jehovah Jireh that gave me exactly what I needed. What do you need in the house of God today? I want you to lift your hands right now, and I want you to speak it. God, what I need is strength. What I need is encouragement. What I need is healing. What I need is the peace of God and the strength of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Abraham, I'm not the same as the gods that are around you. And this occurrence in Scripture booms across the landscape in 2021 to all of you parents that are seated in the front here today. Praise God. We don't offer our children as sacrifices to a false god any more than we offer our children as sacrifices to a world full of false gods. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. 
And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. Let's go, God. I'll take him to a mountain because ultimately I know it's originated with you in the first place. And so in conclusion here this morning, I want to give you four things of what it means to dedicate your child. The first thing is it is confirmation of your love for God. Billy Callister, if you would come. It's confirmation of your love for God. When you dedicate your child, what you are saying is, I'm giving this child to the Lord because I love you, God, more than I love this child. That's what Abraham was saying. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, but wait a minute. You just had Isaac. You've waited 25 years. It's not about Isaac. It's about serving God. And ultimately, I love God more than I love the child. It's a confirmation. Abraham loved God above the most prized treasure of his life, his only son Isaac. <clears throat> You'd be better off serving God with everything and then raising up your child than loving your child and losing out with God. Somebody said amen. Praise God. That's what Matthew records in chapter 10 and verse 37 when Jesus gives this cryptic saying, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Are you really trying to split families? What, what's going on here? No, Jesus was saying, you've got to love God more than you love anything else. It all flows from his relationship with you. Number two, not only is it confirmation, but it is clarification of ownership. Praise God. Parents, I want you to say clarification. It is clarification of ownership. You are openly declaring this child is a gift from God. It does not really belong to me, he or she. It belongs to God. I have the privilege, right? God gives to us the privilege to love and to train this child, but this child is not yours, but it's God's. This is why the psalmist said in 127 verse 3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. You know what's sitting on these church pews here today? There's going to be a children's ministry. Right, right now there's a baby dedication, toddler ministry. We have a toddler class. We've created space for toddlers. And we did that in the last renovation, and it's a nice space, and God has blessed us. We have a children's ministry. We've got, we've got kick ministry, reaching out to certain age of children's ministry, a youth ministry, and then at some point they're going to move beyond youth ministry. God has a purpose and design, and so God is going to use them. And so what you are clarifying in the house of God today is that this ownership is not mine. It's God's. It's God's. Number three, giving your children to God is a commitment to raise your children God's way. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says that we are to bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This is not just a ceremony. 
but it is a commitment. It's a commitment that I'm going to be a godly parent. It's a commitment that I'm going to teach this child the ways of Jesus because they will need to be saved. It's a commitment that I'm going to keep this child in church. It's a commitment that I'm going to love this child even if it means I have to discipline them. This commitment means I'm going to pray for this child, train this child, stay married for this child, make a home a holy place, put away worldliness, live a righteous life, life. It's a commitment, not just a ceremony. Some people come to this ceremony as if it's some kind of magical formula. No, it's not a magical formula. It's hard work. It doesn't just happen. It is because you, as parents have said, I'm clarifying the ownership. I'm making a determination of confirmation, and I'm committing them to God. This ceremony means nothing, zero, if you're, not make, if you're not making a sincere, lifelong commitment to raise your child God's way. I love Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, when he said, Fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your father served and serve the Lord. And if it seemed evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the so as a parent, I'm going to try to lead them right. Amen. And lastly, the fourth thing, it's claiming God's plan and promise for that child that you are holding. Amen. Isaac inherited God's blessing, protection, and promises because his dad, Abraham, gave him back to God. And your children are blessed by your obedience to God and cursed by your disobedience to God. They have a free will, but you stack the odds in their favor if you live for God. You stack the odds against them by the way that you live. You are positioning them by the way you live to say, I want God's blessing and favor and purpose and direction to be upon my child. And I think this is what the psalmist or the wise man Proverbs 22, when he said, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Some people have approached that as if somehow it's a formula, and I trained them up, and they, they went their own way, did their own thing. Well, that's really not general wisdom. Generally, if you raise up a child in the fear and admonition of God, they've got more of a chance of being used they're in the house of God than not. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm thankful that my mom took me to church even when she didn't feel like it. A single mom worked all day. I appreciate my mama. She, she worked her fingers to the bone to give me the best that she could give. The best that she could was a priority that we were going to the house of God. At some point, I had to make a decision of, of whether or not I wanted that to be my trajectory. But I was a whole lot better off because she made a commitment. Amen. Let's go. Let's go.
go, let's, let's go to the house of God. God, I'm going to offer up this child to you, and I want you to do great things with him and with her. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray together right now. Lord, I thank you and praise you. I thank you for your word and the seriousness that we feel this morning. Praise God. I feel your presence in this house. Praise God. Come on, all over this building, I want you to pray for these families that are up front here. Would you just for a moment, God, let your hand and your anointing touch. Not an easy task. A lot of voices calling. A lot of circumstances and difficulties that come their way. But I pray, Lord, that you would allow them to be steadfast, unmovable in the house of God, the Word of God. To raise up children for the glory of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. We ask these things in your great name, in Jesus' name. I praise you. I pray that you would use these children to be preachers, ministers, teachers, evangelists, Sunday school teachers, youth workers, T-Rocket community workers. If you tarry, if you will, God, raise up a generation that's being dedicated in the house of God today to do mighty exploits. Praise God. To 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 launch out an exploration for revival that is greater than we've ever seen. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen, amen. Amen. Families, I want you to stand if you would and just kind of